are finishing up our series on uh, being in the wilderness. And we have all had times when we've been stuck, when we've been struggling, when we've had difficulties. Um, and, you know, the, thing, the theme that runs through all this is pretty simple. It's like God's going to get you through it. But, I mean, that doesn't help, does it? Like when you're going through something difficult, it doesn't really help when we say, well, God's going to get you. And, and a lot of times people will say to you, well, you know, you know, keep on keeping on with the faith. And you're just like, yeah, what does that even mean? And uh, they try to be encouraging when you're in those difficult times, and it's tough. And there's a personal toe that we have on that. And uh, today I wanted to look a little bit at uh, temptation and what that's like when we're going through a difficult time to conclude everything that we've heard over the past few weeks and we've thought about as we've gone throughout the week. And so I want to talk today, and I want to go to Luke chapter 1, uh, sorry, that's not even close, uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 13, and I'm going to read them for you. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Fair enough. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kings of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that, you will not, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all, this tempta- all this, his tempting, uh, he left him until an opportune time. Don't you find it funny? Well, I don't know about funny. I find it funny. That when... The devil says, hey, guess what? I got all this stuff for you. I can give you whatever. So in, in, and when we say devil, I'm not, a, I'm not a hocus-pocus kind of person. But, you know, when you're being tempted and when things are being thrown your way, it's always, you know, you could have this. You could get that. It's a tempting thing. He's tempting you. Um, isn't it interesting that he uses you for saying, I'll give you all this. Right? I'm going to give it to you. You're going to be happy. You're going to love it. And then he switches it up. When you argue back, Jesus argues back and says, you know what, this is, I'm going to say this again. God said, no, don't, you know, tempt him don't, or don't test him, don't whatever. Well, then the devil comes back and he quotes Psalms. He quotes Psalm 91.11. The devil comes back and quotes Scripture. So it's very interesting that when we see all this, that he uses things that work for us. He tries anyways. First he tries to go with the ego, and then he tries to go with your faith, and then he tries all sorts of other different ways to tempt you, to turn you in a different direction, and to, to, to make it look good. I mean, we've seen a lot of that in, in religion, just in general, where we take something and we go, well, this is, this is it. This is what it's got to be, and, and, and I'm sticking my guns to it, and we never move forward in it. But, but, but sometimes I think we're being tempted to be straight in a different direction. Because when I look at the words of Jesus and he says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself and love each other, that's how you'll be known. There, there's not a lot of 
ego. There's not a lot of me, 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 I, 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 how I feel, what I want, and all that. It's more what he wants. And, and in our society today, it's, it is about what we want. And so we've got to be careful we don't blend the two together. We don't blend biblical truths um, that, that are uh, not necessarily 100% you know, theologically accurate that we hold uh, with societal stuff with uh, you know, what's going on, what's, I would call them fads. We used to, it used to be back in the day that when, um, when a fad would come through, it was a theological fad, but it was spiritual. It was hyper-supernatural. Things were happening. People were getting you know, feathers in their hair or something and gold dust in their whatevers, and it was weird. It was very odd, and it was superna- everybody said it was supernatural, and I called it bogus right out of the gate because you know, people went to um, these rallies, and they would get... They'd say, oh, God's, God's going to heal you, and he's going you know, to change your fillings to gold fillings. And I'm like, why wouldn't he just heal your tooth? Like, what, what is that all about? You know, why wouldn't he just, you know, pew, all of a sudden, hey, my teeth are great. You know, one guy said, I got silver. And I'm like, oh, you just didn't have quite enough faith to get the gold, huh? Like, I remember being in the church at Abbotsford Pentecostal and, and, uh, back in the day, and they, they had rented the building out to somebody, and the, and the church had said, hey, be careful. There's feathers uh, there's pigeons in the in the, the, the air conditioning in the HVAC system, so you know there might be feathers and stuff. So just be very careful. And uh, if that happens, don't worry about it. We're working on it. And, and then <laughs> during this evangelist's meeting, he was told they all knew a feather floated down, and he called it an angel feather. And he made everybody in the room believe it was an angel feather. So there's all sorts of stuff we can get caught into, right? There's angels hiding in the HVAC. So. Let's not get carried away. Let's be careful how we go. But the devil uses these things to, to stray us in a different path, to take us down a different road. And he usually likes to strike when we're at our weakest, when we're at our weakest. Or sometimes he does it when we're on the high. But when we're weak, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit, Jesus withstood 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And like Jesus, you know that we can turn to God for strength in difficult circumstances, when things are tempting us. Jesus was in a place of hunger and exhaustion, 40 days, 40 nights. We have people that can't handle half a day without eating. And and while many factors determine how long somebody can survive starvation, um, people can only last so long without eating. A healthy individual might be able to go three months uh, without food and, and without adequate nutrition. Um, our bodies will lo- you start using our own tissue as fuel and, and it starts eat- your body basically eats itself. Um, and while everyone's situation is different, there are common indicators that impact our body, uh, such as fatigue, confusion, brain fog, dehydration, and and then, of course, even in the end, death. And all these factors make it very difficult for individuals to make a decision, especially the death one. It's really hard to make a decision after that. And so, you guys are a tough crowd today. You're real tough. Um, People who have participated in hunger strikes for 45 days to 61 days have died because of all that internal damage they've done. And so, the point of all this is to say that it impacts the body. There's something that happens. And so Jesus is out in the desert. His body is being impacted. His mind, his emotions, everything is being impacted. You're like, well, he's the son of God. But he was, he was 100% man and 100% God. So he felt these impacts. And he often went 
into seclusion for times of solitude. And he was tempted uh, during a time where it would have taken everything within him to not give in on the human side. And so because he did this, he, he would go into the wilderness sometimes, uh, and he knew this time he was going to be tempted. And he faced these temptations for us so he could understand, so he knows, so you know, he understands, but so you know how he is and what he's done. And so he, he can see with you what, what he's gone through and what you've gone through. And so because of all Jesus went through through his life and ministry, we know that we serve a God who not only hears us, but he also empathizes with our suffering. And so we can trust him to meet our needs in our darkest time. And that's all fine and dandy, and that's good to say that, but you know, how do we do that? We're going to get to that. But one commentator explains how Jesus' experience in the wilderness have a really neat parallel, and I like to bring these things up to you because it's fascinating for me. But he, he parallels this, this story, it parallels Jesus' experience with Israel in the wilderness. There seems to be a deliberate comparison to Israel as God's son in Exodus 4, 22-23 and Hosea 11, 1, and Jesus, God's son, in this story. Both sons are experiencing temptation in the wilderness for, for 40 periods of time. Israel for 40 years and Jesus for 40 days. Moses also went without food for 40 days in the wilderness, Deuteronomy 9, 9. Israel failed, but Jesus succeeded. God's spirit led both sons out of the wilderness. God tested Israel there. He tested them. And God allowed the devil to test Jesus in this story. There's this really neat uh, Scottish poem, and I won't read it to you, but there's parts of it. It's called The Peace of Wild Things, Wendell Berry, and it talks about retreating to quiet places when the pressure of the world is too much. When despair and fear overcome him, this person writing the poem, he heads into nature. He writes, I come into uh, the peace of wild things for a time I rest in the grace of the world. And the other uh, theologian, R.C. Sproul, he notes that Jesus' victory over temptation in the wilderness would have been particularly relevant in this time to first century Christians. They faced persecution and death for holding firm their confessions. And in Jesus, they had an example of one who refused to worship any but the one true God, even though he was promised kingdoms of this world. That's in our reading today. So very interesting as we see what Jesus has gone through and how he has suffered. You know, we only think about him, him suffering on the cross, but there, there's all these other stories. And this same Jesus that we worship will give us the strength to persevere in faith if we, if we seek his face. We don't talk about it a lot when we say seek his face. But he'll give us the strength because he experienced it. And he went through temptation and he knows what it's like. And Satan tempted Jesus when he was physically weak from hunger. Man, I don't know if you've ever been really hungry. I can't imagine 40 days. But... Have you ever been really angry? Do you make good decisions then? I don't think so. But he withstood it. He withstood the temptation and all the different ways he was tempted. He withstood that. So that's all great and dandy because that's Jesus and he's a cool guy and does cool things. But what about us? What are we 
So how do we overcome temptation and struggles when we're going through these difficult times, when we're tempted to do something during our struggle, during our difficult time? I'm going to say this, and it's, it's tough because um, it's easy to say, but, and it sounds like a kind of a, just a throw-in, but it's not. We have to really, really focus on this, and I want to get into this just really quickly. But you, when you're going through difficult times and you're feeling pulled, you need to pray. You need to pray. And, and, and we've talked about it before, and we've said, I'm just going to change this slide for you there. There we go. I'll go back. Yeah. So we need to pray. One more back. Thank you. <laughs> there, I got it. So the simple answer is pray. And we've talked about this before. And we use that, and, and people say, oh, I'm praying for you. But do we actually pray? Do we actually pray in difficult times? And what does that look like? Do we pray regularly? There's examples in Scripture where numerous, like, are numerous where those that were in struggles and trouble going through something prayed. Uh, it, it's just, it happens. We, even people who don't believe in God pray. When the plane's going down, when it's rough, people are praying. I'm like, oh, do you go to church? No. Oh, okay. I don't know who you're praying to, but cool. It happens. There's reason for this because prayer changes us. Prayer draws us in. It gets us closer to God. And when we don't pray, we're going to struggle more. It doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. It just means we're going we're to struggle more because we've got other stuff going on within our head, within our lives, everything. We become more like him when we spend time with him. Have you ever noticed if you're hanging around somebody a lot, like you got maybe a best friend or something, you guys start to say the same things, do the same things. That, that's what this is, spending time with God, becoming like him, learning. I mean, sometimes we pick up the bad habits. <laughs> we do. I have, to be, I have to always be very careful. Hanging around four guys in a fire hall, living with them for 48 hours a week, sleeping in the same room with them. I have to be very careful. I don't slip into... Some of the stuff is funny. They're creative. They are wordsmiths. They are poets, and they don't even know it. They're... And I have to be careful because I'm spending a lot of time in that, in that environment. I, gotta, I also have to spend time in the Word with God, and I have to spend time with my family. And, 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 and we are influenced by all these things. So influence is huge. When we pray, he is influencing us. We're getting to know him more. We're becoming more like him. This great scripture, Psalm 25, verses, uh, sorry, 24, verse, uh, 25, verses 4 to 5, says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Now, there are three phases in this that I love, and they stand out. It says, show me, teach me, and guide me. God shows us his standard and his will for our lives, and that is not always an easy experience. It's not always an easy experience when God is showing us. How many have had God show them something, and it was difficult? Yes, it's not always easy. But nobody said it was going to be. Nobody said anything was going to be easy. And we've got to get that out of our head. 
When God shows us, he expects it will rewire us, and, and, or sorry, require us to stretch, to grow, and to change. And, and once we have understood what he has shown us, then he's able to teach us. And when we've been shown, and when we have been taught, then we are able to be guided into what he has planned for us. So I want to drill this into your brain today. God, show me, God, teach me, and God, guide me. You know what? I haven't done this before. Let's say it out loud. God, show me, teach me, and guide me. Yes, get that in there. Percolate on it. Take it with you when you leave. Show me, teach me, guide me. Show me, teach me, guide me. Do it. It's going to be good. You're going to love it. First Thessalonians. Okay, you know what? Hang on there. I promise I won't choke this time, wherever she is. First Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Pray continually. Do you pray continually? And I don't mean driving down the street with your eyes closed, okay? Like, I'm talking in conversation, in continual thought with God. It's like having... It, it can sound crazy that you're talking to yourself. But when you're speaking to God and when you're with him and when you're... You hear what he has to say. You, you, you can express yourself and get your feelings out. They've done scans on brains that when we pray, different synopses are firing all over the place. Things happen. We were built to pray to God. And when we continue in that relationship, if he's omnipresent, if he's all-knowing, if he's all these things, then he's there with us at all times. So you don't have to say, well, and these are important to do your devotions whenever it's, you know, whatever time you do that and the time you pray. But while you're out and about, is God part of your thought pattern? Is he part of your day as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go wherever you go? Is he part of your thoughts? If you see someone, you say, God can, you know, look out for them. Do you do, do that? If you're continually in communication with him, you will know what he wants. You will understand. There will be times when you don't, yes, but he will just bring things to you and in front of you, and he will use you in great ways. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but once we've understood that he's going to teach us, he's going to He's going to show us. He's going to guide us. Then we want to be in that continual prayer. It's just being constantly, this is the simplest way to put it, constantly aware with a conversation with God. You're constantly aware of his presence. There's nothing wrong with that. Being aware. And you know, if you are aware, it's gonna, he's, he's going to ask you to do things. He's going to put something on your heart, that feeling of when i got to go over to that person and help them or just be there or whatever. It'll happen. So when you pray, actually do it. Man, I remember in Bible college, there was a person who didn't like me, and I didn't like them, but I'm like, you know, Jesus, you deal with them. He's your problem. And, and uh, he would always say to me, oh, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, 
No, you're not. But I just ignored it. And then one day I said to him, I, he said to me, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm like, well, I'm not praying for you. And then I realized, well, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> but maybe I should. <laughs> and it's, if we're going to do it, we should do it. Don't walk around saying you're praying for people unless you're actually doing it. That Christians really like to do that while I'm praying for you. And then, never heard a thing. God's going, you are? I never heard about this. So, Start to do it when you say you're going to do it. So that's the first thing, pray. Very simple, but we got to actually do it. Secondly, the, the second way we can overcome temptation through difficult times is to not linger in our temptation. You see, sin wants to convince you that one more click online, one more minute on the couch, one more round of inappropriate conversation, one more negative action is manageable. That's... That's what sin wants you to think. But entertained temptation is like a kryptonite for our sinful flesh. The longer we let it linger, the longer we think about it, the longer we want it, the weaker our resolve becomes. And then we give in. And then when we give in and we do what we said we wouldn't do or didn't want to do, then Shame comes in, and we feel horrible about ourselves. and God is going, I still love you. I still love you. But we beat ourselves up probably more than God actually does. And this is why Paul told Timothy, flee from the youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Do whatever is necessary to get away from what is tempting you. Close the computer, delete the app, Turn off the phone, run outside, get in your car and drive, do whatever you need to do to flee the voice of that temptation. I think you get it. Thirdly, way to overcome temptation in difficult times is to find support you can't do by, your, by yourself. Um, you, God commanded us to exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And you can see that in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. So sin assures us that asking for help is weak. Asking for help is shameful and unnecessary. But this is just one more lie that Satan, who, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but is the liar of all liars, the king of lies. We need to not believe it. Seeking help is not weak. It's strong. No matter what it is, no matter what you're seeking for. And if you need somebody to come alongside you, you ask. That means you're strong. When temptation strikes, when difficult times happen, reach out to someone and ask for help. Do not make excuses. Send a text, make a call, do it immediately, and get the support that you need. Get that spiritual support. People come around you. And help you. So that's the third. Fourthly, give it time. Man, I don't like waiting. Are you patient? I'm not. I didn't even wait for you to answer because I'm impatient. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Remember, we just talked about how he went through 40 days. Remember? We just talked about it. Yeah. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Of course, he's God. He's amazing. God can, but rarely gives a fix quick. Uh, a quick 
text in such a way that we uh, stop loving some wrongdoing immediately. You know, it doesn't always happen right away. I mean, I've seen it. It's very few and far between. A lot of times, most people are struggling with things. But as we fight our temptation, as we pursue God, He changes our passions and what we want into what He wants. We begin to love what He loves and and despise what He despises. Our confidence in willpower fades. You know, I'm... uh, I'm big, I I used to be a lot where I would say, you know, I'm not going to pray about this because God's got enough stuff going on. He's got starving kids in Africa. He's got wars. He's got, you know, you guys. (laughs) I'm not going to bother him with my stuff. I can do it. Because that's my personality. And God goes, can you without me? I'm like, well, come on, you know. You know what I'm talking about. You just don't need to worry about it. And he wants to. He wants to take it. And I've had to change my way of thinking to where um, he, everything, I'll just give him everything and then he can sort it out. And as long as I trust, he's going to walk me through these things. And whatever comes out the other end, I know it's because he's turning me into who he wants me to be. You know, I'm not probably who I should be, but I'm not who I was. And that's what Jesus does. If you can look back and say that, God's working in your life. And although we fall and although we slip and although we make mistakes, God wants to walk with you. He wants to be there for you. And as Christians, we need to be there for each other. Not judging not throwing stones and getting all mad at everything. Man, that's so early century stuff. Can we move past that? You know, you made a mistake. I'm going to take you out front and throw rocks at you. Come on, people. Let's be better than this. Instead, now we sling words and garbage. I hate it. It's easy to do. It's fun. Like I say, I can, I'm good. I've learned a lot from the people I hang out with where I can fling it just as well as anybody else. But I feel horrible. It's not, that's not the way we should do it. We should be building each other up. We should be focusing on what God wants to change this world. Now, again, there's lots going on. There's lots of things to be getting involved in. Uh, and there's lots of stuff impacting us. But our hope will focus on who Jesus is when we get rid of our willpower to do it on our own. And Jesus was tempted. And yet he resisted in all the ways we have not. But yet he still stands there with open arms welcoming us. You will not regret resisting. You will not regret it. But you will regret giving in. And there's no other way around it, and it's unfortunate, But when you get there, if you have and you are feeling regretful, give it to Jesus. Lay it down at his feet and be like, I did this. I shouldn't have. Here it is. You got to help me through this. And hand it over and expect him to help. Expect it. Choke temptation right in the throat by 
taking refuge in Jesus and the means of the grace and the love that he provides for us. Pray. Don't linger in your temptation. Find people to come around you and build you up and give it time. Man, we want stuff so bad. We want our lattes now. We want, our, we want everything now. We want our Big Mac now. We want all of it right now. And if it doesn't happen right now, Matt, you don't know how many emergency scenes I've gone to where people are freaking out and they want you there now. And you're like, we're coming. We're trying. But they want it now. They wanted it yesterday. Relax. It's going to take time. It's called a journey. I don't know of too many journeys that happen in like five minutes. Like, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be an event. And as we move forward, God will be with you. He will walk through these things with you. But you need to do some work. And you need to think it through. Pray. Don't linger. Get the people around you. And the people around you need to support you. No judgment. Nothing. None of that. And give it some time. Give yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack. Give yourself some time to work through the stuff you're working through. And as you begin this journey, again, because it's going to take some time, remember what sin promises so much will only steal your joy. And we don't need that. We already live in a world that likes to steal joy. Let's not, let's not make it worse. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my friends here. And as we move forward in this journey with you, help us to pray more. Help us to not linger in our wrongdoings or our temptation. Help us with sending other people our way to lift us up. And not necessarily tell us what to do, but just be there for us. And help us help ourselves by giving it time. As we go through this journey together, as we walk this world that we're in right now. Help us to show your light to all. And as we come into this Christmas season, as next week is first Advent, and as we move forward, help people see who Jesus is. Not the one they see on TV that's battling and fighting constantly, but the one that loves, the one that cares, the one that wants to make a difference in their lives. And let God sort out all the stuff in everyone's life. And not, That's not up to us. So Father, help us to be the example that your son was to us. In Jesus' name, everyone said...